411Live. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. A snapshot in time. Inequity for the whole world to see. Marches for equity, justice, fairness, and the collapse of systemic racism. And within all that, evidence of people coming together. Inclusion. Now, I'm not talking about present day. I'm talking about the 1960s and a play that brings it all together. Joining me, I have a special guest. Joanne Williams, former TV journalist and now producer and director of a documentary called Kakana and King. Hey, Joanne. Hi, man. So wanted you to be on the podcast because what you are doing is, I find, very interesting and I'm very proud of you. And I've told you that many times. Um, full disclosure, Joanne and I worked together at Fox 6 News for several years. And I remember when I was interviewing for the job at Fox 6 and I got with Joanne and talked to Joanne and she gave me some pointers. So I really appreciate that. Joanne, you left Fox 6, well, several years ago. <laughs> and 2008. 2008. 2008. Okay. And you were hosting Black Nouveau. And I left I'm about two years now, left Fox 6 and doing different things. But you set out on this big project. When did you start this, this documentary? I tell people that I started it in 2016. Okay. But I, had the, I knew about the story. And I had the idea to do something with it since I was in high school. Yeah. So that was a long time ago. So this project, in a nutshell, kind of brings together students from urban, predominantly black, Rufus King, and students from all-white, rural Kakana High School, right? That's right. That's right. There was a... There was a teacher at Kakana High School, Thomas Schaefer, who wanted his students to have a broader view of the world. So to do that, he was going to have them perform the play. The play he chose was In White America. That's the title of the play. Mm -hmm. And it's the history of African-Americans from slavery to civil rights. But in Kakana, there are no black people. So he and another teacher at Kakana High School came up with this exchange uh, incorporating a teacher from Rufus King High School, Ruth Thomas, and kids from Kakana went, um, kids from King first went up to Kakana, and they lived with families for a month, and they did the play, and then kids from Kakana came down to Milwaukee and lived with families for a month, and they did the play. This all happened in 1966. It was 54 years ago. That's amazing to me that that happened in 19, 1966. Yes. You know, in all white Kakana and, you know, come doing the exchange with the with the kids. So in the play, does the cast stay the same? It's the kids who are doing the transferring. They're the ones in the play. Well, this is where it gets a little bit complicated. In 1966, 
The play was done by the same students at both Kakana and King. Uh, and there were some white students who went to King, so they went on this exchange too, but it was predominantly black students. Okay. Uh, the play itself was the reason that the exchange happened. But Tom Schaefer, who was the teacher who came up with the idea, had more in his mind than just play. He wanted to bring kids together and get to know each other through the vehicle of the play. Now, the play is highly controversial. It was highly controversial in 1966. It's highly controversial now. Mm. And the playwright who wrote it in 1963, when I interviewed him for this film that I'm doing, I asked him what he thought had changed in America since he wrote the play. And he said, not much. Oh, wow. So that's an interesting point of it, too. In developing this film, we uh, thought about what we were going to say and how we wanted people to come to the film and understand what it was about. So we changed the title. So we have a new title now. Okay. It's called The Exchange in White America, mm-hmm. Kakana and King 50 Years Later. Okay. So. I'm writing it down. Emphasis, okay. Take notes. Take notes, Beverly. <laughs> yeah. The, the film is going to talk about the exchange, uh, why the parents of those students at 66 let their kids go on this exchange. We found two sets of parents still alive in their 90s who talked to us, talked to us about why they let their kids go. Well, let me stop you right there. Yes. This, just for this to happen, I mean, so these teachers, okay, they come up with their plan. Yes. But they, got, they have to get the buy-in from the parents to do this, to make this happen, yes. from the kids yes. and from the parents. Yes. What in the world did they say to these parents, especially those in Kakana? Well, they probably told them that this would be a, a good experience to go to a large metropolitan school where Kakana is a is a pretty big, but it's a rural community, so mm-hmm. it's a different kind of school. Um, it would be a good opportunity for these kids to go to, to the big city of Milwaukee and see what that's like. Um and it would be a good opportunity to meet kids who were different than they. Right. So that's probably the argument they made with the Kakana parents. Now, now I say that for the Kakana, but now the <laughs> folks in Milwaukee who are going to a all-white community, what in the world did they say to those parents? Because this is the 1960s, and I can yes. just imagine the things that are going on in their heads. Yes. Well, they all thought that the kids that were chosen to be in the play, in the exchange from Rufus King, were chosen by uh, the teacher, Ruth Thomas, who chose only kids she thought would be able to do this. This wasn't random. She, she picked specific kids that she thought were open-minded enough, mm-hmm. strong enough, uh, able to handle this kind of exchange. And, and the parents were told um, that this would be a good experience for their kids. They would go to a different kind of community. They would get to meet other people and they wouldn't be able to perform this play, which had a pretty good message. Um, I talked to the, to the mother of one of the Milwaukee exchange students who's black. And I asked her, did you, what did you hear from your friends when you said you were going to have 
this white girl living in your house? And she said, well, some of them thought it was kind of different, but she said she turned out to be just like any of her other kids. So she said, come on in. Nice. Uh, there were also a lot of meetings that went on before the kids actually went up to Kokona. Mm-hmm. The parents got together, the parents of the King students got together. They had several meetings. They talked about what might happen. They talked about what to expect. Um, they tried to prepare their students for it and prepare each other for it before they went. So they were ready for it. Wow. And when the exchange was over, uh, it happened in February and March of 66. Some of those parents of both communities maintained relationships. In fact, the family of one of the students went up to Kakana for a, for a barbecue and a picnic that summer. And they kept in touch with each other for several years. So it was, it was taking a risk on both sides. Mm-hmm. But they were willing to take it because they thought this would be a good experience for their kids. And they turned out to be right. Wow, that's great. Now, when you started out on this project, you thought you were going to be doing this documentary about this this play and some of the players from the two communities. But once you stepped your foot in it, it just expanded and exploded, right? It, it did. I, I came upon, I started the film in 2016, and that was 50 years after the exchange. And I went to Rufus King to get to do some research to find out about if I could find some of these original exchange students, which mm-hmm. was sort of anybody who does research would probably say that was nuts. <laughs> but what did I know? I went there and did it anyway. Uh, and I did get some information. But I also met the theater teacher at Rufus King High School. And when she heard about the play, she said, I want to revive it. I want to do it again. So 50 years later, the play was done again at Rufus King High School by a whole new generation of kids and a multi-ethnic cast. And then a teacher in Kakana heard about what had happened, and she invited those kids from King up to Kakana in 2018 to do the play again. And they did the play for the sophomore class of Kakana High School, who was in the middle of their American history curriculum. And then they did the play that night for the community, which drew a pretty big audience. And fascinatingly enough, and what was very heartwarming for me the night of that performance was that there were people there who had been there 50 years earlier, Hmm. who had been teachers and parents and just community members who came to see the play again. Wow. So the film has taken on a life of its own and my participation in it has has become all consuming. <laughs> and now that we're editing and writing and rewriting the script, we're we're trying to shape it in a way that we can tell the whole story. Right. The story from 66 and the story in the present. And we're looking at some of the things that have happened in the summer of 2020, saying, hmm, does that does that have to be in our film. We don't know yet. So wow. producing a film like this, a documentary film like this, takes a lot of thought and time and and creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to deal with the facts, but you have to present the facts in a way that will be interesting, entertaining, and compelling to the audience. Right. 
And you have so much material. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because, we so you know, we were in the TV business and, you know, you would we would do what I, we would call our long form um, story, which could go up, you know, five, six minutes. And you would would have shot just a, a lot of stuff that you have to go through. But that's a small that's small potatoes compared to what you're dealing with. Yes, we're, we're shooting for a final length of just under an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have so far shot 54 hours of video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a lot to go. And we still have some left to shoot. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's it's big. Okay. We're going to take a break. And then we're going to come back to uh, Kakana when the 2020... Um, production was done. 2018. 2018. 2018. Because I have some questions about that too. So we're going to take a break and we'll come back and talk more with Joanne Williams. Stay with us. Even though there is so much against us. You will see me choose to protect myself and my community from the coronavirus by wearing a face covering. Because it's going to take all of us thinking about one another. And even with my face covered, you will see me. You will see me as a mother, a wife, a friend. As an athlete who gave everything to the game I love. As a father, leading by example. As a sister. An entertainer. As a champion for my people. You will see me finding a light and a dark time. To unlock our creativity and push our craft. You will see me demanding the space to tell the stories that matter. As a man who knows that tough times don't last, but tough people do. Join us in wearing a face covering to help stop the spread of the coronavirus. Because covering your face is one small act of kindness that has the power to bring us together. Welcome back. We are talking to filmmaker Joanne Williams. That's funny to say, but it's what you are now. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I wanted to go back to Kakana when the 2018 modern day version was rendered in, in Kakana and the people came to, the public came to see the play and some of the people who were around 50 years ago when the play was done um, did that expand your storyline because you got you now you have more people that you didn't know know about? Well, it didn't expand it. I was hoping that we would be able to go back to Kakona. I was hoping that they would do the exchange again, but they haven't done that. Mm. So the the kids that went up to Kakona to do the performance in 2018 were almost the entire cast that had done it in 2016 at Lucas uh, King. Okay. Some of the kids who had done it in 16 had already graduated from high school. So when we got invited to go up in 18, we had to pull together another cast. I would say that of the um, kids that went up in 18, about five of them were the original cast. And the others were kids that were pulled in at the last minute. Right. So we didn't do it as a memorized play. We did it as an in-hand performance, which means you hold the script and you read it on stage, uh, which worked just fine. Okay. And the, and the kids 
surprisingly, the ones who joined at the last minute uh, got pretty good at it. Nice. Had they had they had more time to rehearse, they could have could have gotten even better. But I think they did quite good performances. Um, and the play itself is not a, a fiction. It's all fact. Mm-hmm. It's all true. It's all diary entries and Senate testimonies and um, witness testimonies, um, conversations between slaveholders and enslaved people, conversations between uh, Frederick Douglass and the president of the United States. So this is all fact. Mm-hmm. And the kids that did this performance, uh, the ones at Rufus King, had to do some research before they played these characters. So they learned a lot about the history of the United States that they had never heard of before. Now, some of the people who were around 50 years ago when this happened, or may have been in the play, or may, did you, did they come to the production? Some of yes. these? Yes. That maybe you hadn't found? Yes. I was very gratified the night of the public performance in 2018. One of the people who came to the show was the teacher who brought the two teachers together in the first place. Oh, wow. I had been trying to get a hold of him for two years. And we had had emails back and forth, and phone calls back and forth. And he was saying he wasn't interested in participating. In it. Then he showed up at the, at the performance. So I was thrilled. And I got to interview him. And then one of the other exchange students, whom I hadn't been able to find, came to the show too. And I interviewed him. And then I interviewed the sister of one of the other original exchange students because the students herself couldn't come, but her sister came. And she told us about having uh, this black student live in their home. So I was very gratified by some of the people who showed up. Very cool. Uh, Very cool. It was was exciting. And uh, it was an incredibly busy day and shoot. I know it was. I bet it was long. We left Milwaukee with the cast from Rufus King at five o'clock in the morning. And we got back in Milwaukee at about uh, one o'clock the next morning. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was a long, long day and very complicated day. We had to, I can get deeply into the complicated <laughs> part of what it took to get this done, but I don't know how deep you want to go. Well, let me ask you this. The, the, you said you talked to the sister of one of the original cast members from 50 years ago. Did she, uh, or uh, a Rufus King student came to live at her house, did yes. she say whether or not she got any pushback from the, her family got any pushback from the community, or did you get a sense of what it was like for them? From all the students I've talked to and, and their sister and their relatives, there was very little um, pushback. Mm-hmm. There were some minor incidents, uh, but there was nothing big. And for the most part, everything went well. That's good to hear. Which was, which is the surprising part of this story. You would think that in 1966, black kids and white kids living in each other's homes, this would be shocking and revolutionary and probably caused problems. Right. It didn't. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, By the way, 
I would be remiss if I did not say that you graduated from Rufus King High School. That's why this is all new, very dear to to your heart, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was in the class of 1967, so I was there in '66. Okay. And during the course of of producing this film, I learned things about myself, and I learned things about my high school. One thing I learned with, and the way we're going to produce this film is I'm going to be in it too. I'm going to explain what I'm talking to you about, mm-hmm. how I how I came upon it, why I did it, the experiences we had in the in the process of getting the film from the idea up on the screen. One of the interesting anecdotes is that a mother from Milwaukee who talked about these uh, get-togethers they had with with parents and students said that there was a party. At, at my house with the King students and the Kakana students and the parents who were there. And I didn't remember that party. And she said, yeah, we came to your house. We had a nice time. I didn't remember it. But in all the photographs I've saved over the years, I had three black and white Polaroid pictures. I was in one of them and two other people were in the other ones. I knew the picture that I was in. I knew that was me. I didn't know who I was with. It turned out that these pictures were taken at that party. Oh my goodness. At my house. In 19... Joanne! Joanne! Part of my journey to get this film on the screen. That's great. That's a great story. You know, moving from, you know, TV journalists and what we did, and then going to this expansive project that you're do, doing now. How was that transition for you? It's still going on. It's not <laughs> over yet. It, it, I started off, I have to say naively, that I could do this in a year. Well, no. <laughs> uh, it's, it's taken, we're up to the fifth year now. Wow. But I also discovered that as we had in television, there was a team that worked on things. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to create a team. I started off totally by myself. I rented the equipment, and then I had to get somebody to shoot with. So I got a friend of mine who was a photojournalist at Fox 6 to do my first shoots. Okay. But then he couldn't continue, so I had to find somebody else. So during the course of this journey, uh, I've enlisted my crew is now 10 people. Oh, wow. And I have, I have, a, I have a, a cinematographer. I have a producer. I have a production manager. I have a, an art director and a, a web guru. And I have another art directing assistant. And I have two people who are in development and helping with fundraising. And I have a writer. Um, writer, co-producer. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's, let's say that's nine people. And then I'm 10. Wow. So I have all these people who are helping with it because they are dedicated to the story. Mm-hmm. When I told them the story, they said, okay, I sign me up. What mm-hmm. can I do? Nice. Yeah. Now I know you wanted to finish it by 2019 and 2019 yeah. has passed. Yep. What's your target date now? Um, later. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's not going to be finished in 2020. Yeah. Uh, and so we were, my fiscal sponsor is Milwaukee Film. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I wanted to premiere it at the Milwaukee Film Festival. But 2020 changed all that for this year's film festival. It went all virtual. Uh, the 2021 film festival, we don't know what that's going to be like. If it's going to be all virtual or if it's going to be some in person, that's still to be determined all, all based on what happens with COVID. Right. But I'm aiming for um, the film to be completed in 2021, probably in the spring of 2021. But you won't be able to see it at the Milwaukee Film Festival in 2022 because they've changed the dates of the festival. They did that just last week. And now the festival is going to be in May of 2021 okay. instead of October. So that's a too, so, too early for you. Yeah. It's too early for us. Okay. So we will be uh, releasing the film in a lot of different areas before you see it at the Milwaukee Film Festival. So I can't tell you when you'll see it or exactly where, but our goal to be finished is the spring of 2021. Good, good. I mean, you know, it is what it is. You, you yeah. want it to be right. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you think that the film, all of this, this journey has changed you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. it has. It has. It's made me more patient. Mm. <laughs> it's made me more um, uh, collaborative. Not that I didn't work well with others before. I thought I did. But now I have to work in a different role with all the people who are helping me on this film. Right. It's turned me into a, uh, an entrepreneur, which I never really wanted to be, but I have to be now because I got to raise money. And I've learned a lot about how to write grants, mm. how to ask people for money, how to sell my product uh, to people who will then support me by giving me funds so that I can get this project finished. Uh, I've started thinking broader beyond my film. So you, other films. you would do it because, again. Oh, I'd do it again. I will not be a producer again, <laughs> but I will direct. I'll write. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to learn to edit. Uh, so I will be happy to work on other films. And I may even do another one that's largely mine. I may co-produce it with somebody. But being a producer is all-encompassing. Right. And I didn't realize that until I got into it. So it's changed me. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully for the better. Wow. Well, I, my hat's off to you for undertaking this project. And I'm so delighted that it has morphed into what, what it's becoming. You know, the story is, is richer and, you know, everything. So I look forward to seeing it. And give me the new name once again. The name is The Exchange, period. In white America, period. Kakana and King 50 years later. Nice. Nice. Joanne, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. Um, Once it's out and people are viewing it, we'll have to 
have you back on again so you can talk about that. Well, I hope you do. And if anybody wants to look at a little bit of it now, they can go to our website, which is kakanaandking50.com, www.kakanaandking50.com. And you can see the trailer, see what it looks like at this point. And uh, if you will allow me an indulgence, yes. if you want to support my film, you know, if you want to make a donation, anything is welcome to get it done because making a film is very expensive. Yeah, it's not cheap. That's no, for sure. No, no. <laughs> and we're about uh, we're about a quarter of the way to the goal of our budget. Oh, Got a oh. long way to go. Okay, all right. Joanne, again, thank you. Thank you for coming on and talking about this. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. All right. We'll be talking. <laughs> okay. All right. Certainly. All right. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. And if you would like to support us, you could go to our website, the411live.org. We would appreciate it. Until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor. See you then. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org. <laughs>